Hi, this is Jackie Chambers from Girls School in Citeria, and you're listening to the Phantasm Podcast. Rock. Phantasm. Maximum terror. That's your target audience, baby! Phantasm. You know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm. Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Hey, this is Dr. Vincent West, medical doctor with the Phantasm Podcast. And I'm excited as hell today to have Jackie from Girl School. And we're going to talk about their new album on Silver Lining Music. And uh, WTF, what the fuck, uh, 45? Uh, it's killer. Yeah, we sort of say, what the 45? <laughs> yeah, so I, <laughs> I added my own twist there, Jackie, sorry. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's killer. Uh, Go all the way back for us, if you don't care. Can you tell us, uh, tell my listeners, our listeners uh, here at Phantasm, how you joined Girl School? Yeah, well, um, I put an advert in uh, Melody Maker, which is a music paper over here. Okay. And uh, I'd been in a couple of, couple of signed bands, and Kim McAuliffe just saw my number in there. She was looking to do something, side project, because she was still in girls' school, they were still playing, but, you know, it's kind of a quiet time, in 1995 this was, so she called me up, we got on really well on the phone, we just chatted and we went out drinking that night, you know, went to see a boyfriend's band at the time, just got on really well, so we decided to do some writing together, which we did, well, I say we did some writing together, we basically went back to my house or her house and got drunk <laughs> most of the time, <laughs> didn't really get much done. But, you know, we just became really good friends. Then I got to know Kim and Denise and uh, Tracy. So, I mean, we all just became friends, hung out all the time. And um, Kelly Johnson at the time was kind of wanting to do something different. She was kind of fed up. She'd done it all, really, now with girl school. So she said to me, um, if you learn the songs, I should join. And they all wanted me to join. So I was like, okay. I didn't take it very seriously because I'd never played lead guitar before. So, um I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then a couple of years later, they were saying, come on, you've got to learn how to play lead guitar and you can join. <laughs> so her and Chris Bernacci taught me how to play the solos. And um, the rest is history. In 1999, I finally joined, thinking it would lead, lead to about, I don't know, two or three gigs and that'd be it. But here I am, 20, 24, nearly 25 years later. Wow. <laughs> super, super yeah. cool. Um, when did you guys start the, the writing process for the new album? Well, uh, I guess um, I always just write riffs. I just write riffs. I've got a little home studio here, so I kind of write the riffs. And, you know, one one's good rock riff. One's kind of my other band, Citeria, which is kind of rock, punk, pop sort of thing. So I just write loads of different things. And when it came to writing, we, we realized it had been eight years since the last album, and the record company asked us to do a new album. Um, of course, then COVID happened. So uh, we didn't really get much writing done then. I just threw a few things down as ideas. And then when we came back to it, me and Kim, she, we got on Zoom a couple of times a week. And uh, just, you know, she'd listen to riffs and she'd say, oh, I like that one, I don't like that one, maybe we'll put them two together. 
I could think of something for that. And then the lyrics came together in the studio pretty much. So, yeah, it was kind of an easy process. We don't really labour over the songs, you know. It's not like we spend five months writing one song. It's like <laughs> ten minutes and it's done. <laughs> It's it's a really cool record. Uh, let's kind of run through this Thank thing you. here. Um, what can you tell us about the first track? Uh, it is what it is. Mm. Well, that was another of uh, these ideas when we were started to write in. Uh, Kim, we were starting in an airport, I think, one one place, and everything's going wrong with airports since COVID. It's like you've always got delays or cancellations sure. or just everything going on. And Every time something happened, Kim would go, oh, it is what it is. Or somebody would go, well, it is what it is. We can't change anything. We've got to spit it out. And we said it so many times that Kim <laughs> just said, oh, we should call it song. It is what it is. And she goes, it is what it is. What are you going to do about it? And she just started singing it like that. And I went, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> I thought of an angry just messing about. So I, I recorded that into a dictaphone straight away. And uh, when it came to writing the actual song, I just sort of strung some music around that, and then we wrote a verse after that. So it just kind of came together from circumstances that we've been or found ourselves in over the years. It's a great way to kick the record off, too. Um, what about track two, Cold Dark Heart? Cold Dark Heart, again, that was just a riff I had. It was a basic riff. I must have been feeling a bit Rammstein or a bit killing joke that day. It just came out like that, and um, Kim heard it, she went, it sounds like cold, dark heart in the in the chorus. <laughs> and she just started singing cold, dark heart, really quite aggressively. I thought, yeah, that's a bit melancholy. So then I wrote a little bit more to it, um, music-wise. And we got in the studio and we just wrote the lyrics. And again, they just sort of came out. And things just happen with us. Because we're so used to writing with each other, me and Kim. We, we bounce off each other quite well. Sure. She'll come up with an idea, I'll come back with a better one. Or she'll come up with a better one than I've come up with. And it'll just, just keep snowballing like that until we get a song fantastic uh and then let's see track three bump in the night yeah that was um again something kim said oh what about a song called bump in the night she was thinking like monsters and stuff like that and um i'd written a couple of songs like that uh like with alice cooper in mind because i'm a massive alice cooper fan so i put all these like uh like gruelly things like, you know they're monsters at the beginning things like that i did that at home and I just built a song around that. I had a riff that uh, fit what we needed. So um, we just simplified it a little bit because it was a bit complicated. And yeah, it just, again, all comes together really, really simply. Wrote some lyrics in the studio. I had some fun with that one because it was just like, we just kept thinking of silly things to put in there. <laughs> Something in the house that's bigger than a mouse, that sort of thing, you know, just silly. Sure, that's fun. Uh, let's see, uh, track yeah. four, Barmy Army. Barmy Army, that was one that I wrote with um, a professional songwriter called Tracy Lip. The, um, before we started writing this album, the um, record company asked us if we wanted to write with some, some outside writers. And we're like, okay, we've never done that before. You know, it might be something different and it'll be a new experience for me. I've never done that. I, I usually just write on my own in the studio and then just play as we came after. So um, they put me in touch with a, I think he's, I think he's American. Actually, I'm not sure where he's from, but... He's written like with Lordy and uh, Matt Bross, you know, he's got like real strength with both. So um, we got on Zoom one day and he, he had a riff that he played me and I really liked it. I thought, yeah, that sounds like girls school could do that one. So we just developed that while we were online together. And he said, what do you want to write about? So the first thing that came into my head was about the fans, you know, Barmy Army fans. They've followed us 45 years loyally. So I said, let's write about the fans. 
So I started telling him all about, um, you know, the fans. And I started writing lyrics. The lyrics were just coming out of me. It was kind of wrote itself, really, because I was saying, oh, they used to sleep in phone boxes. And every time I wrote something down, it was just really easy to rhyme it and fit it together. Cool. So it just came about like that. We wrote it on Zoom in, in an hour. And I just I demoed it at home, played it to the girls. They all liked it. I had my own little twist to it, our own gospel sort of style to it. And it just came about. Awesome. Uh, track five, Invisible Killer. That one, Tracy, Tracy Lamb, wrote this time. Um, she, well, during COVID, she wrote that about COVID. Uh, so she had the lyrics and a bass line. And she um, sent me uh, two or three songs. And I picked that one up. I thought, yeah, I can hear, I could hear that in my head, you know, it should sound. So I put, like, guitar parts to it and a little bit of different melody and a couple of bits. And it just, again, developed into a girl's school song once we put Kim's voice on there. It's going to sound like girl's school and Denise. <laughs> that always does. Yeah, it's that, that track's great. Um, let's see, uh, track six, Believing in You. That one was a song we wrote with um, Philippa from Thunder Mother. Okay. Guitarist in Thunder Mother. Yeah, she uh, she was one of the songwriters that um, the record company put us in touch with. So me, Kim, and, uh, and Philippa were on the uh, Zoom yet again, good old Zoom. And she uh, wrote a song for us. She finished the song completely, like you know, guitars, everything. Um, we liked the actual music, but the lyrics didn't really fit what we would do or the way they sang it. It was just like totally different. So um, we just took the music. Ran with the music, and uh, I wrote some. Uh, me and Kim wrote some lyrics in the studio while we were there. We just changed the lyrics. That's probably the hardest one to do because changing the lyrics once you've heard the song is quite difficult. But yeah, we just changed all the lyrics in that one and just kept it as is. Excellent. Uh, track seven. It's a mess. It's a mess. That's one I wrote on my own. Um, that was probably the first track we had for the album. Was when I write songs at home, I finish them, do everything, drums, bass, guitars, vocals, backing vocals, everything. Wow. And I present it to girls' school or to Citeria, my other band, my own band, um, just to see if it suits, because sometimes they both suit both bands, you know, we heavy it up for girls' school or we lighten it down for Citeria. Sure. So, uh, yeah, so I played both bands it and both bands really wanted it. So girls' school, obviously, we were recording last year, earlier, in December. So we did It's a Mess because uh, the record company and the band liked it. So we thought, okay, we'll just record it as it is. And then, then when I went into the studio with Citeria in March this year, they wanted to do it as well. So we've actually got both bands doing that song in two different slightly ways. <laughs> That's awesome. Slightly different. And huh? real quick, talk about your other band. Um, and then you said you... Citeria. Yeah. Yeah, well... I love gigging. I mean, that's I just love gigging and writing songs. That's, I live for it. <laughs> so um, with girls' school in 2015, yeah. we were still doing a lot, but not enough for me. I like to play all the time. And because we all live so far away, it's not like we gig every weekend. Whereas I want it to be gigging every weekend. So I thought if I put a band together um, in this vicinity in Yorkshire where I live, then I can gig more often when girls, I kind of fit it around girls' school. So sure. we gig when girls' school aren't gigging, so nothing clashes. Right. I think in six years it's only clashed once, really. And that was an accidental clash because of COVID. Um, yeah, so it's been great because there's obviously no point in doing the same band twice. So I made it a little bit different by, uh, um, I've got four part harmonies. It's three girls and a guy on drums. And uh, we do like, it's, it's more like rock pop. It's rock. It's got a bit of punk to it, a bit pump pop. 
Uh, we've got lots of different elements and four part harmonies, and we're recording four three two hertz instead of four forty. So it just gives the band a different dynamic to girls' school, even awesome. though there's elements in there girls' school because it's me. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, let's see, and then and that comes out on eleventh August, which is two weeks later. Oh, cool! Nice, awesome. Because <laughs> I have yeah. to check that out too. Uh, let's see, uh, track eight into the night. Into the night, that one, Kim and uh, Nick Lashley, who's a guitarist, who was, he's a big session musician, he lived in America, a songwriter as well, and they wrote that back in the 80s, I believe, oh, wow. so, and it just never got used, and when she played us, it was, oh yes, great track, we could, that would fit with the album, so we just included it, we just did it a little bit our way, I mean, there was a lot of the original guitar parts um, that I copied, and then we just did, added our own little bits to it, yeah. Awesome. Um, let's see, uh, track nine, Are You Ready? Are You Ready? Now, that was the, um, the single. Um, we'd been on tour with Alcatraz and, um, uh, what, two or three different tours, and they did a single, and we were singing back vocals on it, Don't Get Mad, Get Even. Yeah. So when it come to record, when it came to recording our album, we decided they need to be on it, they need to be on it somehow, but we'd all gone home, they'd gone back to America, so we thought, uh, Kim rang Joe up said, uh, do you want to be on the album, one of the tracks? So he actually wrote a riff, a guitar riff, and sent it to, to, to us. And we all loved it. It was like, oh, yeah, that's really rocking. That's it was definitely. So um, we went in the studio, recorded it. We put, put a, a song around it, as it were, because it had lots of different bits, uh, with the help of Tim Hamill, who was the engineer there. And um, uh, once we heard it, we thought, yeah, this is great. Kim came up with a, a great melody to it and some words. And we recorded it as it is. And then at the end, we thought, we still haven't got Joe on there. So we, uh, she rang him up again and said, well, do you want to put some guitars over what Jackie's done already? So I'd already done the solo, so it wasn't like just putting him in for the solo. So he just played like twiddly-widdly bits all over it. <laughs> awesome. And that's how that came about, yeah. So we did a video, um, they did a video with us in it. And for that one, we carried on the cartoon one with us in it and rescuing Joe. <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's see, uh, track 10, Up To No Good. Up To No Good, again, that was just um, something I did in the home studio, a riff that I had, and Kim just said, Up To No Good, that would fit that. And um, to get Tracy and Denise involved, we, we thought, you know, let, let them write the lyrics too. We had the chorus already, but they uh, mostly Tracy put the, the lyrics to that one. And we just added the odd word here and there. So it all came together, that one, quite easily again. Awesome. Uh, track 11, Party. Party, that was mainly Kim's idea. <laughs> Again, something we did on Zoom, um, the, the, the music. And, of course, then uh, when we were in the van on the tour, the European tour the year before, we were all just coming up with lines, you know. She'd say a line, and, and we just all think, I'd think of a counter line, like say something up above. I'd say, oh, right, rainbow rising up above. So I'd come up with that line. And then she'd say something else, and somebody else would come up with another line. So that came about. Over, the, over a couple of months, really, and then we just finished that one up in the studio with a line here and there. All, all songs from other songs, as you can probably imagine if you, if you listen to it. It's all taken from famous songs. Awesome. Like Ryder White's one, Can the Can, you know, lots of different, all the bands that have influenced us over the years, really. Incredible. And before we do the last track, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, my co-host and I are huge Motorhead fans. Um, <laughs> we saw his second to the last show he ever played in America. Um, right. 
and my co-host had never seen Motorhead. I had seen them multiple times, but he we got to go see them together. Um, any fun story about Lemmy? Um, well, I think I've pretty much told every story there is to tell about Lemmy. But I mean, he was just such a great guy. On tour, he was fun to be around. We always had a laugh with him. He always used to tell the Mickey out of my accent. Uh, he used to make, uh, you know, he used to make fun of me just because I come from Yorkshire. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you've heard of Monty Python. Do you get Monty Python? I'm there? a huge Monty Python fan. There you go. I mean, he's always doing the four Yorkshiremen sketch when I saw him. <laughs> luxury, luxury, because <laughs> that's where I come from. It's a Yorkshire sketch. Yeah. Oh, I thought, that's Hang great. on a minute. You're taking the Mickey out of my accent. You're often stuck. <laughs> <laughs> but he was doing even on the last tour. He did that as well. You know, I was at a sound check. I was chatting to him at the sound check while everybody was setting up, and he was just started. Every time he ate up, Jackie ate up, and he'd do my accent, and then he just burst into four York, four Yorkshire sketch every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm so glad that we got to my coast and I got to see him. Uh, oh yeah, but I I had we seen him so tour. many times. Yeah, well, yeah. What was crazy was my favorite time ever seeing him. I saw them uh, late nineties with Wasp. Oh, yeah. Or early 2000. I can't remember. They were touring together, and I went and saw them, and uh, it was incredible. Uh, just, just great. They were so great every time I saw them. I just thought I would ask you. I know there's a lot of ties with Girl School and Motorhead. I just thought I would ask you that. Oh yeah, done many a tour with them. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, let's see. And then yeah. the last track, uh, "Born to Raise Hell." Born to Raise Hell. Yeah. Well, um, as I said, we've done a lot of tours with Motorhead. They were the, the beginning, and we thought, you know, 45 years, it only seemed fitting that we would go full circle and put a Motorhead song on as the cover. We generally do a cover on each album. Sure. So that was, um, it was just deciding which one. There's so many great songs. And uh, Kim's boyfriend, uh, Carol, said, well, why don't you do Born to Raise Hell? It's just such a great song to sing. Quite anthemic, isn't it? Born to Raise Hell. And we, we just did that one. And then Kim called, uh, uh, why don't we ask Phil, Biff, and um, she has a mutual friend, uh, Ray, who looked after Guns N' Roses. Okay. And um, Duff, Duff is apparently a really big old school fan. Awesome. So, all, yeah, he just asked, and straight away he was like, yes, love to do it. So, yeah, we just had to wait for him to come off the tour, and then he just, <laughs> just puts his bass line down. It was amazing. So we've got Phil playing guitar, Duff playing bass, and Biff singing. It's incredible. Didn't have much to do apart from a little bit of rhythm guitar, some drums, and some backing vocals. It's great. <laughs> awesome. Now, as far as just a, another Motorhead question for you, if you don't mind, um, mm -hmm. of the original lineup, were you friends with anyone outside of Lemmy? Did you did you know Eddie or did you know uh, yeah, Phil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew Phil, obviously Phil Lena, uh, Philip, Phil, um, Wurzel, Cost Wurzel. Awesome. Because, uh, we had uh, we had Eddie on our. Um, Gilliest Sin. No, not Gilliest Sin. I'm getting them all mixed up now. We had him on our Legacy album. <laughs> That's so cool. So when we did the Legacy album, which is our 30th album, yeah. we uh, we had a full, uh, well, we had a lot of guest stars on that one. So we had Lemmy on the song. We had Eddie on a song. We had Phil on a couple of songs. We had them all on different songs, you know. We had Twisted Sister on there. And, uh, well, Dio, Tony Iommi. Oh, wow. Neil Murray. So we had quite a few guest stars on that one, yeah. So that was the 30th. We thought that was going to be our last album. <laughs> and here we are at 45. Yeah, it's incredible. There you go. Yeah. So for the cover of this, I love it. It's just the the jacket. It's great. Uh-huh, yeah. 
brilliant. I mean, that was a record company idea. Well, I, mean, I came up with a title. I came up with a title. What the forty five? We were <laughs> in the studio. And, we couldn't think. We couldn't think of anything. You know, it's like every time you think of something, somebody else has had it, or it just sounds rubbish. Or sure, you, think of you, you don't. You don't make it a song title because then you know that everybody thinks that's the title track. Right. So I was in the kitchen making coffee, and I just thought, "Wow, forty-five years. What the?" And I went, you know, "Oh yeah, I've got it. I've got it. What the forty-five? <laughs> so it's like that. What the forty-five? Right. Yeah. So that's how it came about. The album title." And the record company liked it, all the band liked it, so we ran with that one. And it's uh, taken on legs there, it's got a jacket, and each uh, each song seems to have a pair of um, underpants now with uh, <laughs> no good, or <laughs> it is what it is on them. That's <laughs> awesome. All sorts of merch ideas now with all those on, yeah. Now, as far as the mixing and the production, who handled all that for the record? Oh, the, the wonderful Tim Hamill. Okay. Um, we, we always go to the same studio. We keep going back there because he's amazing. I go back there with Citeria as well. Okay. Because uh, I just think it's just an amazing... He's a lovely guy. He's just really, really sweet man. And he knows what he's doing. He's a talented musician. He's a very talented engineer. Uh, and it's in Wales, which is quite away from all of us. But we, we don't care. We travel. We pay the cost for the accommodation. Because it's worth it. We always have a good time. And we always get a good result. He's got a great production technique. It's very easy to work with. It comes with some great ideas. And it always brings out the best in you as well. So it's a no-brainer that we go there every time. Was it any different working this time on this record? And is it different working when you're working with two different bands with him? Um, no, not really. Because he's, he's just, I just know him so well now, you know. I've been going there since I joined the band 24 years ago. We've only ever had one of the producers, which is just Tangaridis for the Gilius Sin, yeah. which was a record company idea. Um, but yeah, we, we love going to Tim. We always will. We'll, we'll go that, back there every time we record. We both bands. Incredible. The last album Citeria did, well, all the three Citeria albums are all done there as well. Oh. You just got an amazing technique. That's awesome. Um, mm. Is Girl School going to be doing any more shows this year? Or? Oh yeah, lots. <laughs> We've just come back from Sweden and Denmark. Um, We've got a, a couple of weeks off now before. We've got to South America in uh, September. Okay. Um, that is hopefully going to lead to America. Now, we've, we've got one gig. It's, it's like a part two, we've been told. It's going to be some in November, one coast in November, and one coast in March next year. Okay. So we know we have uh, Houston, Texas in March, March 21st okay. next year. Awesome. So that's the definite gig. That's the pin gig, as it were. So that's the one that everything's going to be based around. So we think definitely March next year, if not before that, in November, if it all goes well. And awesome. a few, obviously, festivals here and there keep popping up. So. And once the album comes out, it all seems to more gigs manifest then. That's that's awesome. Have you all done some of the summer festivals over there this year in Europe? Yeah, we've done some festivals, yeah. And, and obviously, I'm playing with my other band as well, so I've got, I'm going to have a busy year this year. <laughs> Do, at this point, do you prefer doing festivals, or would you rather do actual like a tour? Oh man, um, I love both. I mean, anything. I love festivals because it's a lot of people, and you get new people. Because generally, uh, festivals somebody may may say go for Rammstein, and they've never heard of Girl School, sure. or they'll be going with their dad for the first time to a festival, and they'll see Girl School. They might have heard of us on a compilation album of from Motorhead. So it's like, you know, you get new people who, who then come along to your own shows. Sure. So there's a different feel to festivals in some ways. 
And then, of course, uh, tour gigs. I love tours as well because that's people are coming to see you. So you know that people know your songs. You know that they're, they're there to support you, which is phenomenal, of course. Oh, absolutely. Well, this record's yeah. incredible. Uh, Jackie, thank I can't you. thank you enough for taking the time to do this today. Oh, it's no worries. Thank you. Kids, go see Girls' School. We got a lot of European fans. Go see Girls' School. Uh, pick this album up. It's great. And uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this today. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking thank you, with Vincent. you. Thank you, Vincent. Thank you. And you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm.